I don't have an outline at all, so <clears throat> this will be might be different, might be odd, but it's what the Lord's placed on my heart. I um, I'd really like to go through the first three chapters, really, but uh, we're not going to go through all of it. So just bear with me, and I'll try to get the message out that the Lord's put on our heart. Listen, this morning, if you still need to do business with God, I know I've harped on it this morning, but it's just been on my heart. If you need to do message, uh, do business with God, do business with God. Don't wait any longer. Do it as soon as you can. Um, you ain't going to bother me doing business while I'm preaching or whatever's going on. Just do what you need to do. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 1. I guess if you found your place, let's all stand. Exodus chapter 1. We'll read a few verses here. Um, Exodus chapter 1, we'll start about verse 5. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters uh, task to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And, the children, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field and their service and all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Uh, Dylan, will you ask the Lord to bless the reading of the word? Help us, God. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Amen. Um, any of us that has been in church for any length of time, we know this story, and this is the uh, uh, the beginning of um, the children of Israel being in bondage in uh, Egypt. And we know that the whole reason that they came to Egypt was because the Lord gave Joseph uh, the interpretation of the dream that there was going to be seven years of plenty and then there was going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph was in Egypt and he, had, he was second in command in Egypt. And uh, the, the, the children of Israel, his dad, Jacob, and all his sons, they uh, came down to Israel during the seven years of famine because Joseph had stored up food for them. He had stored up food for the people because the Lord was blessing Joseph and the Lord had showed Joseph what was going to happen. So I believe that it was the Lord's will that Israel end up in Egypt. 
You know, I know that this morning we've talked a lot about burdens and things and sometimes us as Christians think that we'll never go, we shouldn't ever go through any kind of burden or we shouldn't ever go through any kind of hardship. But right here we find that it was the Lord's will that God's chosen people, the people that God chose to be His earthly people was sent into Israel to suffer conflict. It was God's will that they ended up in this hardship, that they ended up in this place and we see here in verse number 7 it said the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. So even while they was down in Egypt they still had the blessing of God on their life. They still grew mighty. They still got stronger. They was fruitful and they multiplied and you know if you've got the blessing of God on your life you will be fruitful. Somewhere along the line there will be fruit that proves that you are a child of God. Not that you won't ever go through bondage or hardship or trouble but there will be fruit on your life but as we see here it said that uh, the, the, the king over Egypt knew not Joseph so he didn't remember this king didn't know the blessing that was on Joseph's life. He didn't know that uh, Joseph and the people of Israel served the one true God like the king did before him. So this king seen the blessing that was on them. He seen the blessing that was on Israel because they continued to be fruitful and multiply and grow stronger every day and when he seen that they was growing stronger and stronger for fear of them taking over him he began to put them in bondage he began to put them into slavery and they had no intentions I'm sure of ever being in slavery when they went up to Egypt just to get some food all they did was went to where the Lord was blessing where they was at the Lord wasn't blessing so they went to where the blessings of the Lord was so that they could be in the blessings of the Lord and I'm sure when they ended up in slavery and in bondage they began to question the Lord on whether they was actually one of His. Whether they was actually God's chosen people. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've questioned whether I am a child of God or not. I mean, I'll get in a hard place or something will go wrong in my life. I mean, more than just a flat tire or a broken washing machine, but something bad will happen in my life or maybe my uncle's out on, strung out on drugs and he's torturing my grandma and grandpa and I wonder if the Lord's even got His hand on us still. Have you ever been there? I believe that we've all been there. But sometimes it's the Lord's will that we go through bondage so He can get us to the place He wants us. So He can get us to the place that He wants us. You know, there was blessings on the children of Israel because of the touch that was on Joseph down in Egypt. They had the touch of God on them because of the faithfulness of Joseph. And if they had continued to be in the faithfulness of Joseph, they never would have wanted to leave. God had promised them Canaan. He had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, but yet they was living in the blessings. And if they didn't have to go through the bondage, they never would have wanted to leave the place they were at. The Lord used their circumstances to put them where He wanted them. You know, it's not always that we've sinned and messed up or we've done something wrong. Sometimes it's just the plain, flat-out fact that God is using something in our life to put us where He wants us. But we have to be ready and willing and able to listen to what He wants us to do. You know, I believe this morning that there's some of us here, and I'm going to try to hurry, but I believe there's some of us here that are going through some of that rigor. There in verse 13, 
16, it said, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. That word rigor just means to break apart. They were trying to break them. They were trying to break them down. They was making them build things for them and build treasure houses for them, treasure cities for the Pharaoh and everything that they done. They stood over them with a gun and they said, Put that together. Build that brick. And they was trying to break them down. You ever felt like you've been broken down? Like the devil's just trying to break you down? You know, the Lord didn't break them down. God's men didn't break them down. But the devil's men broke them down. But it was God's will that they be there and He allowed it to happen. We've got an all-knowing God and an all-powerful God, but sometimes He allows things from Satan to break us down. To break us down and to put us where He wants us. Verse 14 said, And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they was made to serve them was with rigor. Every single day was with rigor. You know, I, I, I read this, um, the, the amount of years that the children of Israel were in Egypt was 215 years. So God had given them a land. God had promised to bless them in this land. And He had promised this land to them forever. That was the promise of God. But yet they was in that land. And now here they are down in Egypt. And they've been in Egypt for 215 years. They've been in another place other than the place that God had promised them for 215 years. You know, sometimes us, I, I know that God... Uh, it's not that he can't speak audibly, but sometimes we, we, we hear him down on the inside. We hear the still small voice and we've got some promises from God and we've got some promises from God in his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us and he's promised us that he's going to build a place for us and where he is, that's where I'm going to get to go. That's some promises that he's made for us, but sometimes those promises are out there. Sometimes we've got to be in a place where we don't really want to be for a while before we ever get to get to the place that He's already promised us. It wasn't that they wasn't still promised the land of Canaan. It was just that they had to be somewhere else for a while before they could get to the promise. It was the fact that they had to be molded and mended into the people that God wanted them to be before they could ever get there. Before they could ever get there. We won't read through all this. Um, they're in... Uh, uh, Verse 15, let's just read it. There in verse 15 it said, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew wives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Paul. And he said, unto the, and he said When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then, he, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and why have, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives 
come in unto them. Therefore God dealt uh, Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Chapter number 2. And there went a man... Of the house of Levi, and took the wife and daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. And when she could no longer could not longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and set and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And the sisters stood afar off to wit. What would be done? So we know that this child, we've all heard this story, this child that it's talking about here is Moses. And if you, uh, uh, even if you're not in church or you've never been saved or raised in church, you've probably heard of Moses. You've heard of Moses, you've heard of Abraham, and you've heard of Jesus. This is the three people that most everybody has heard of in the world. They've heard of Moses. But as I was reading this, I seen here that uh, Satan had a man, the Pharaoh. This uh, Pharaoh was Satan's man. And even before Moses was born, Satan was using Pharaoh's man to try to destroy Moses. So before he was ever born, I don't know how uh, uh, if Satan has some idea of what's going to happen in the future. I don't know if he does or not but I know that God is all knowing but apparently Satan had some kind of idea that God was going to use this guy Moses to make a difference for his people he had some kind of idea because before he was ever born Satan had already put it in the heart of Pharaoh to kill all the newborn uh, boy babies all the male babies that were born they was already a devil against Moses before he was ever born That's what I'm trying to get to. They was already against Moses. Satan already had a plan to destroy Moses before he was ever born. You know, we have to fight against uh, principalities and powers of the air, evil in high places, wickedness in high places. And we're having to fight against this because he was already against us before we was ever born. You know, the devil right here had a man, and he had a man that was trying to destroy Moses, and he's got a man or a woman or something here on earth that's trying trying to destroy us, that's trying to put us through the ringer, that's trying to break us down and trying to get us out of the will of God and trying to stop us from doing the will of God. But even though Satan had a man, so did the Lord. So did the Lord. The midwives wouldn't do what He had told them to do. So what that tells me that everywhere I go when Satan's fighting against me, He said that He would never put more on us that we could bear without making a way of escape. So he put more on Moses before he was ever born than he was able to bear, but he made a way of escape through his people, through the Lord's people. Thank God for God's people. You know why we like to gather together in church? To be amongst God's people. You know who's going to have you back when nobody else does? God's people. You know who's going to be there in troubles and trials and heartaches and hard times and to try to lift you up? God's people. You know the reason I'm here today and I didn't die and go to hell when I was out in sin? God's people they was praying for me and they was coming to where I was at and they was doing everything they could do to ensure that I didn't die and go to hell to ensure I didn't die and go to hell the devil's got people the devil's got a man working against you the devil is working against you but God does too and he always wins he always wins 
I'm hurrying, I promise. Huh? <laughs> Verse number five. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto the Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she she called his name Moses and said, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. So here we are. This is a, a Jewish woman. She's had this baby and it, uh, it's going to be Moses. And it looks like that there is no hope for this baby. It looks like that there's uh, that Moses maybe wasn't ever going to have a chance because the Pharaoh had told him to kill all of the male children. Now she's had this baby and she's hid him for three months. And it said, uh, and when she could not hide him any longer, she took him and part, put him in an ark in the bulrushes. And it looked like she was giving a last ditch effort, is what it looked like. It looked like she was doing the very last thing that she knew to do. And this was the people of God. This was the God's chosen people. This was the people with the blessing of God on them. And this thing was happening to them. And it looked like there was no hope. And it didn't look like that they was the people that uh, had the blessing of God. It didn't look like they was the children of God. It didn't look like they was the children of Israel, it looked like they was the ones that was under the torment. I've been in that place. I've looked out and I've seen things that was going on especially in the pastor's life because he's my grandpa. I've watched him my whole life and I've seen things and it's looked like the blessings of God wasn't on him. It's looked like the torments of hell was coming out to destroy his life. And I've watched others in the church when it looked like there was no hope but then they keep going on and they keep marching on and they hide the baby for three months and then they've got a last ditch effort to try to save the child. Got a last ditch effort to try to be in the will of God. Got a last ditch effort because they still had hope because they had the promise of God. That's the only hope I've got is the promise of God. The promise of God that one day I'm leaving here and I'm going to be with Him. This life is but a vapor and it's going to be full of sorrows and troubles but one day I'm leaving here and even though it don't always look like it I'm under the blessings of God. We are under the blessings. If you're saved, you're under the blessings of God. And if you're lost, you're under the curse of sin. If you're not saved, you don't have that hope. You don't have them blessings. Your last ditch effort is useless. It won't help you in the long run. you got to get saved. you got to surrender it to the Lord. But she's took him and she's put him in the water. And here we see that Pharaoh's daughter. What a coincidence all this is. How could this just happen? That it happens to be Pharaoh's daughter that finds the baby. And then it just happens to be the baby's mama that she gives him right back to to raise it. That's God. That's God. I believe that her faith was strengthened through her struggle. I do. I believe the baby's mama was strengthened through her struggle. And if we would look at our circumstances and situations in the same light, we could be strengthened through our circumstances, through the struggle. Terry testified of it this morning. He said, I believe I'd be backslid if the Lord hadn't given us these children. 
That's proof. That's proof that sometimes the struggle is actually a blessing to get us where He wants us. Verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way and when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together and he said said to him, that did that did thee wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and judge over us? And intendest thou to kill me, as thou killed killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So Moses was raised by the Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in the palace as a, as the Pharaoh's grandson. But they knew that he was still an Israelite. They knew that he was still a, a child of Israel. And um, he was raised in the palace. And then he, after he got older, he seen that his people, that the Hebrew people that he was a part of, he seen that they was in torments and that they was in a struggle. And he went out and he, he killed a man that was getting ready to kill his brother. He killed a man that was getting ready to kill his kinfolk. And then his kinfolk seen that he had killed, one, he had killed a man. And they said, what are you going to do, kill us too? So, you know, when I looked at this, I seen that Moses had grew up in the very wrong place. Moses had grew up under the Pharaoh and under the rule of Pharaoh. And, you know, a lot of times as we look out, we see children that are not growing up in the right places. We see people, uh, children that are growing up in drug houses or they're growing up in houses of gay couples and things and I'll often look at them and I'll say they don't stand a chance we've all said that we've all said that they don't stand a chance but that's what it looks like here in Moses' life as well Moses is growing up under the evil Moses is growing up under the Pharaoh and under the care of the Pharaoh's daughter he grew up as a grandson of the Pharaoh a grandson of the very one that was trying to kill him it looked like Moses had no hope but because Moses was chosen of God he had hope he did have hope and the Lord made a way when it it looked like there was no way. So those that are out there and it looks like there is no hope, you keep praying for them. You keep praying for them and you keep showing them the right way because if they're going to be God's, God's got a plan for them. God's got a plan for them. There is hope. There's hope for all. He said He was willing that none would perish. Verse number 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their flock, their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Raul, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon this day. And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherd, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name uh, Gershom, for he said, I 
I have been a stranger in the land. So here we've got Moses. He's killed this man. The Hebrew people are against him. The Pharaoh's against him. The Pharaoh has set out to kill him because he's heard what Moses has done. And at this point in time, Moses is right around 40 years old. So Moses has to flee. And it said that uh, Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. So I'm sure that not only did it look like from the outside looking in that Moses didn't have any hope but even down on the inside from the inside looking out Moses probably thought I have no hope Moses was looking at the situation he was in he was trying to defend his people because he knew that's what was right but yet the one that raised him in the palace that he was raised in now they're trying to kill him and he has no hope on either side I've been in them same shoes before it looked like there was no hope on any side but here we see that when Moses fled down to the land of Midian that he met a man named Raul the father of these uh, these daughters and that name Raul I really liked his when I seen it. The name Raul means friend of God. Friend of God. So here he is. Moses has been forced out of everything that he's known for 40 years in his life. He gets out here in the middle of nowhere in the desert right by himself, right where it looks like there ain't no hope, pushed totally to the brink of breaking. He's ready to break. He's ready to quit. Throw it in. But here stands a friend of God. Boy, God can give you a friend right at the right time of need. Right when you need them. Right when it looks like there is no hope. God can send a friend and that's what the Lord has done for Moses God had a plan for Moses and God sent Moses a friend well praise the Lord any of y'all ever needed a friend and right there they was I've been in them situations and it ain't nothing but God it ain't nothing but God doing God things and it came to pass in the process of time verse 23 that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry come up, come up unto God by reason of bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God had respect unto them. I like this scripture because you see there in 23, it said that His people cried. But then it said that God heard their cry. It never said that they cried to God. It just said that they cried. It just said that they was in torment and they was in bondage and in trouble and they didn't have any hope and they just cried. They didn't even cry to God, yet God heard them anyway. How much more do you think that God hears us when we are His people? They are the, 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 the physical people of God, but we are the spiritual people of God. We're the spiritual Israel that's left here. I'm leaving here. I'm one of His. I'm a child of God. And when I get in trouble, God hears my cry. Not even when I just call it. Well, not, not just when I call on Him, but when I don't even call on Him. He still hears my cry and He still wants to help me that's hope that's hope that's helpful to know that when I'm in trouble and when nothing looks right God's still there to help me even when I don't call on him even when I don't call on him he's still there helping me and making me what he wants me to be right here's what we're trying to get chapter number three now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Boy, what an awful place that sounds like. 
the backside of the desert. The desert's bad enough. But then when you get to the backside of the desert, that's got to be a really bad place. Got to be a really dry place. And I believe that in this day, in the day and age which we live, we're in that place, spiritually speaking. I believe we're in the backside of the desert in America, in the surrounding countries, and it's probably worse everywhere else than here. The Spirit of God is still here. I still feel the Spirit of God everywhere I go because He lives in me. But when I look out, I see the backside of the desert. It looks like at times that I'm the only one that's still serving God. It looks like at times that I'm the only one that wants the church to be spiritual. It looks like at times that I'm the only one that's concerned with my soul. It looks like I'm the only one that's concerned with the souls of other people and at times I'm not concerned either we're in the backside of the desert when we're spiritually speaking we're in a dry dry place we're in a dry place and it said that he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb Horeb means desolate so he's out here and he's in a desolate place and he's right by himself Boy, he's been drove out of his homeland. From the time he was born, they was trying to kill him. Everything in life seems like it has just been against him. And now he's out here in the middle of nowhere, right by himself, in a dry place, probably without a drink of water. Just in an awful, awful place. And it said that he was in this desolate place called Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush... And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. So here we are. Moses is out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the backside of the desert, in the driest place on earth, and he sees this bush, and this bush is burning. And I've heard this preached a lot, that what an amazing thing it was that this bush was burning. But if you study into this bush, this wasn't an uncommon thing. Out in the middle of the desert where it's a dry place and there's no water and the sun's beaming down, every now and then a bush would spontaneously combust and just burn up. That was a normal thing in this day. But what caught Moses' attention, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. So he's seen this bush, and this bush was burning, but it just continued to burn. If you take an old dry bush that you've dug out of the ground three or four weeks ago, you light that thing on fire, woof, It burns up. It's fully consumed and it's gone. But this bush that Moses was looking at, it wasn't consumed. So he's seen this bush and I believe that God sent this bush. It said that the Spirit of God was in the bush. And in this scripture that it said the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. That's actually the Lord. The Spirit of God was in this bush. It was in this bush. And this bush burning wasn't an uncommon thing. But the fact that the bush was not consumed was very uncommon. You know, I I believe that this burning bush is a picture of grace. I believe that this is a picture of modern day humans being indwelled with the power of God. The power of God was in this bush. The Spirit, the, the, the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord was in this flame. He was in this bush. And this bush was just a common bush. It was just a plain old regular bush. And then it was, con- then it was engulfed in the fire, but it wasn't consumed. It never burned out. 
You know, when the Lord died for us on Calvary and He said that it was expedient that He go away, that He could send the Comforter, then after He left, when we get born again, we're indwelled with the power of God. We're indwelled with the Holy Ghost of God. Just a common old man. Just a common person. If you're saved, we're all just common people. I'm not the President. I'm not the King. I'm not an angel. I'm not the Savior of the world. I'm just a common man. And when I got saved, the Holy Ghost of God and dwelled me and just the mere fact that the Holy Ghost can live inside me and I don't just burn up the mere fact that the Lord and the power of God can be inside of me and my body can withstand it that's a blessing that's a blessing and that's proof of the existence of God right here the Lord has proven to Moses who He is He's proven to Moses the power of God. He's proven to Moses that he can speak to him and what the power of God is. You know, I believe in our day, in order for us to prove to the world the power of God, we got to be burning and continue burning. And continue burning. You see, here in this scripture, in, in, in this time, that a bush would catch fire and it would burn up and go away. You know, this dry desert spiritual place that we're looking at and we're living in now, we'll see a fire over here every now and then. We'll hear of a church having a revival. They'll say, boy, it's good over here. And then next week it's over and you never hear nothing else about it. We'll hear about a drunk or a drug addict or somebody that gets saved or gets their sins covered in the blood and it's exciting for just a little while and then all of a sudden they fall off and the fire goes out. It's because the Spirit of God's not in there. It's because the Lord's not in there. If you would get the Spirit of God in you, you would burn and continue to burn and continue to burn. That's what being revived is. Brought to life and you keep burning. And you keep burning. The reason it's so dark and it's so dry in this place that we're living in is because nobody's burning. Nobody's burning. You know, I believe if you're saved and the Spirit of God truly lives inside of you, you will be burning. You know, as I was studying for this message, I began to think, you know, when I was backslid on God and I was out in the world, when I would think about the church and even one time I wrote a song about Mount Vernon Church and how much I loved it, but I was out of the will of God. But while I was out, I began to think about people that was here and I thought about Papa and Butch and Miss Emma and Roger and Vera and the ones that had been here for so long and they was faithful and they continued on to be faithful and I thought that's that bush that was burning and it ain't burnt out and it ain't burnt out there's some that's burnt out there's some that was consumed and they're gone and they're not an example of the power of God but those that have stood faithful and continue on another mile that's the example of the burning bush that just keeps on burning and that's the ones that's going to lead somebody to the Lord That's the example that our lost family have to see in order to be saved. There's an example to be set. The power of God was manifested here in the Scripture in a totally different way than it's manifested in our day. It's not manifested that way today. Not that it couldn't be, because it very well could. God just don't do that this day. He leaves it in us. The proof that God is alive is in you. The proof that God is real is in you. And if God's fire, if the power of God lives down on the inside of you, there'll be something burning that makes you want to serve Him. There'll be something burning that makes you want to be here on Wednesday night. If y'all missed Wednesday night, you missed a good time. You missed a good time. Testimonies and singing. and It wasn't just a, a blowout and we all shouted the house down. But the power of God and the love of God was in the house. And it's something that we needed. It's something that we needed. And if 
the fire of God and power of God's in you, it'll make you want to seek Him. It'll make you want to seek Him. You see, Moses, he called Moses to lead the children of Israel out. And Moses didn't think that he was able to. Let's see here in, uh, we'll read verse 4 again. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. You know, I wondered why he told him to put his shoes off. Why he told him to take his shoes off. He's probably wearing sandals and he's in the desert and his feet are dirty. I mean, that's just how much cleaner could his old dirty feet be than his shoes. But he told him to take his shoes off to enter into the holy place. So I studied into this. And during this time, if a man sold some land to another man, after he sold the land to another man, he would take his shoe off and give it to him. As in, it's total surrender of that land. This is yours. If I would sold you a, a mule... And when I sold you that mule, if I took my shoe off and give you that, I surrendered all rights to that mule. When Moses took his shoes off, right here to walk into the holy place, that was Moses totally surrendering himself to the power of God. It was Moses saying, Lord... I don't know who you are or what you are and I don't know how you're doing this or how the bush is still burning but I see that the bush is still burning and it's not consumed and you've proved yourself to me and I'm surrendering myself to you. You know, in order to be saved, in order to be full of the Holy Ghost and the power of God and to have that assurance and peace that we've been talking about today, you've got to do that very same thing. You ain't got to come up here and take your shoe off, but you've got to say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, I want your power. I see that you're real. I know that you died for me in order to save me. I'm lost and I need a Savior. The only way we can go to heaven is if we fully surrender ourselves to Him and His will. That's the only way we can go to heaven. Tommy, you come play. <clears throat> That's the only way we can go to heaven. Verse number 6 says, Moreover, He said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, the, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses was afraid. The fear of God. We need to fear God. In this day, they've preached so much that I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to or once you make a profession, everything's fine, that the fear of God has went out the window. There should still be a fear of God even if you're saved. Moses had already took his shoes off and surrendered it, but he still had a fear of God. He was still afraid of the presence of the Lord. You know, sometimes when we're up here singing or when something's going on and the presence of God manifests Himself right here, boy, I'm sure I'm glad He's here, but I'm also fearful because I don't want to say something wrong. I don't want to do something wrong. I don't want to do something out of the way and hinder the work of God. That's where Moses was. That's exactly where Moses was. Lord, whatever you want, I'm afraid and I don't want to hinder your will. Are we hindering the will of God in somebody's life today because our fire ain't burning? This morning, is your fire burning? It was obvious in this scripture that the fire in this bush was burning and continued to burn. If this bush had went out, it wouldn't have done anything for Moses. It wouldn't have helped him at all. But because this bush caught fire and continued to burn, 
It changed his whole life. And it changed the life of Israel. It changed the whole life of all the children of Israel. Everybody knows who Moses was. Everybody knows who Moses was. Is the fire burning in your life today? And is it continuing to burn? What influence are you being? Have you fully surrendered your life to God? Everybody stand.